Hello and welcome to another episode of Seen Any Good Films Lately? I'm Jason Solomons, thanks for joining me. And as we head towards the climax of awards season and the reopening of cinemas, here in the UK at least, this is the podcast with all the recommendations of films to watch, old and new, classic and fresh, and with the best people in the business giving us their movie memories and latest tips. I just watched uh, Sound of Metal over the weekend, and I was really, really taken by that film. I mean, hands down, I think the best film of the year, scripted or non-scripted, is Collective. I just thought it was the most beautiful thing that I have ever watched. There's a music theme to today's show. My guests, you heard snippets of there, are the directors of Tina, the new documentary about Tina Turney. They are Dan Lindsay and TJ Martin. You heard from Dan... You heard from TJ and the brilliant British rising star actress Olivia Cook, who's currently starring in the excellent Sound of Metal opposite Oscar and BAFTA nominee Riz Ahmed. So we'll hear about the making of those films and what Dan, TJ and Olivia recommend right after I tell you if I've seen any good films lately. I'm so late to the party on this one, but what a party. I'm talking about Rada Blank in the 40-year-old version. Let's start by saying congratulations to Rada on her BAFTA nomination for Best Actress in this, and also congratulations to BAFTA for recognising it. This film could so easily have been overlooked. I mean, I overlooked it myself. But this nomination pushed me back in to discover it on Netflix, and I'm so glad I did. It's one of the most enjoyable films I've seen during awards season. It's about Rada, who plays a version of herself, a character called Rada, who's a 40-year-old version of Rada, as she's reaching that milestone. And she wants to be the best version she can be of herself, which means getting her playwriting career back on track while she's still teaching a class of drama students in Harlem. Shot in black and white, with freeze frames and jump cuts and jazzy interludes, you're reminded of Spike Lee's She's Gotta Have It, both the original 1986 movie and the TV update series which Spike did of that, which I'm always recommending and which I love and which is also on Netflix and, I find out, for which Rada also wrote. This film is about gentrification, finding your voice, being yourself... It's funny, it's smart, playful, daring, cool. It's very Harlem, very hip-hop, very now, though, and very rather blank because she wrote and directed it and she stars in it and she raps in it. And she's just a wonderful presence to watch throughout. I loved it. And the soundtrack is superb, with everything from A Tribe Called Quest and Gangstar to Quincy Jones Jazz and the gorgeous Nia Bricks uh, and an artist new to me, Courtney Bryant. Just... Watch it. It's the 40-year-old version. Now to our Seen Any Good Films Lately interviews. Brought to you this awards season in partnership with Strike, the distilled drink with all the spirit, none of the alcohol. Why not try a Strike, that's S-T-R-Y-Y-K, not rum and coke for this episode. Wedge of lime, essential. It's all about great taste in drinks and in movies, you see. To order your stylish bottle of Strike, go to strike.com, that's S-T-R-Y-Y-K dot com, and fill your boots. But enter the voucher code too, filling in Jason40 to get 40% off for Seen Any Good Films Lately listeners. Cheers, Strike. We kick off then with the incredible life and resilience of Tina Turner. 
Look what I have done in this lifetime with this body. I'm a girl from a cotton field that pulled myself above what was not taught to me. Fantastic Ike and Tina Turner review! It was Ike's band, but Tina was the shining star. When I saw her dance, she was all I could look at. He rehearsed constantly. And then the pressure came that we had to work more to try to get a hit. And I was afraid. I had an abusive life. There's no other way to tell the story. The documentary Tina is just out and it's an entertaining and rather gripping telling of Tina Turner's life story. It's many things, musical, physical, emotional, and it it looks at black experience, female experience, and what it means to find your own peace. It's a jigsaw well worth putting together, and that was the task that befell directors Dan Lindsay and TJ Martin. And I caught up with them from Los Angeles and told them that I was still figuring out their film and its subject. Do you know what? It was one of those films that I was enjoying it and I was taking my time as to working out what the theme of this doc was, was, was going to emerge in, you know? And, and by the end, I was, I absolutely got, it was Tina getting her voice, getting her name, getting her identity. This was coming together as a documentary and that seemed to be the journey for, for me. Mm-hmm. Am I right, TJ? Yeah, I think absolutely that's a really big part of it. You know, one of the things that was striking to us in, in early conversations with Tina was that the pain of her past, um, even at 80 years old, was still very present. Um, And that's just something that people don't necessarily associate with Tina Turner. Mm. In the process of becoming a symbol of resilience and strength, I think we lost sight that she's still a survivor and she's still uh, making the choice to survive every day. You know, we approached the film thinking about the one thing that we felt was missing from any other iterations of her story is Tina's point point of view and Tina's perspective on the story itself. As much as that lent itself to kind of exploring the trauma, what we realize it's really about love and it's just kind of cloaked in trauma. And I think the journey we see is this pursuit of love, some sense of familial love, some sense of uh, what, what love would look like in a respectful, loving, romantic relationship. And more importantly, uh, love of self and love of your own narrative. And that's kind of the journey you go on. I think it's rather fascinating that, that this this thing suddenly struck me, what a, what a feminist icon she is. But you, you talk about surviving every day. Is that something as a documentary you, as a documentary maker, Dan, that you went into a bit further? You suddenly discovered about the the trauma of survival. It, it seemed to me that I hadn't quite realised how deep it could go and how long it could gestate, how long it could uh, kind of keep resurfacing. When we'd seen Tina, I thought, yeah, she's kind of thrown it off and she's kind of her own person, a private dancer. And But no, it, it's still completely as if it were yesterday to her. That's kind of one of the discoveries we had earlier on in the in the process. Um, and it's it's funny that you describe the experience of watching it kind of like, what, what is the theme? What is, you know, and that's kind of our experience of making it you know we we signed on to do the film and you know we were well aware of broad strokes of of Tina's story right and that was an initial thing to us is like oh well there's this story that's attached to this person and it wasn't until talking to Tina and talking about that story that we understood 
her relationship to that story is very different than the relationship that maybe the public has. And I think that speaks to some of what TJ was saying is this, the trauma of her past is so still very present with her. Even though I've seen What's Love Got To Do With It, of course, uh, I realized it was such a battle to, to separate the Icand, Icand bit from her name, Icantina, Icantina. Mm-hmm. And it comes in your, uh, that's when it started hitting me when that montage kept coming of her being asked on every chat show about Ike, about Ike. And, you know, and then the dignity with which she dealt with those questions all the time just to get her name. Yeah, I mean, in the process of making it, that that idea you're talking about, we kind of distilled it down to this one major theme of ownership. You know, we've pointed out before that Ike Turner and the Kings of Rhythm was the first live band she'd ever seen uh, before at 17, 18 years old. And then she ends up getting an opportunity to sing for Ike. Ike falls in love with her voice. And then that she's a performer for the next six decades of her life. And so those early days with Ike was the beginning of this very highly insecure man uh, seeing her as a commodity and starting to put some sense of ownership over by giving her her name. Uh, so it's this beginning of, of kind of this imprisonment, both physically and emotionally and, and spiritually. And so the, the journey Tina really goes on, and I think we've all really fell in love with that narrative, is this individual who is in constant pursuit of carving out her own identity, escaping from the clutches of Ike. And then in the divorce, uh, really the one thing that she really wants to hold on to is the name Tina, which is kind of a head scratcher, but then you start to realize this is her opportunity to reappropriate it and have have her own ownership over it. Dan, were there any sort of films that were uh, an inspiration to you as a doc maker? in this one going in? In fact, the Nina Simone documentary, What Happened to Simone, was one that we definitely looked at, not as a like stylistically or anything, but what intrigued us about that is that, you know, it's even in the title of the film, right? What Happened to Simone, right? There's a question, there's a there's a thesis, there's a kind of thing it's exploring. It's not just like, you know, it's telling the story of her as an artist in a way, but it's telling the story of the artist, if, if that makes sense. And I think that was kind of what we always knew we would want to do. Nothing you say I'm around to see what you do You know you're funkier Than a mosquito's tweeter You got a mouth like a hood of bull weavers Same old game, same old thing ah, Always rapping about the same old thing It's so funny because usually our references are, you know, we're knowing we're working in nonfiction, we we still want to make a cinematic experience. So we tend to reference scripted films. And this was the first one where we were having a hard time finding something that would be our North Star. (laughs) It took a while to really crack the identity of this film. But to Dan's point, the the thing with the Nina Simone doc, it just reminded us, oh yeah, like there's there's a greater point and a greater thesis at play, just continue to service that thesis. And not, you know, to your earlier point, like the catalog is so vast. Don't get lost in the ocean of Tina's catalog. Stick yeah. to stick to the game plan. What are, what are you watching at the moment? You seen any good films lately, TJ? Yeah, I mean, we're both in the Academy, so we had to watch a ton of films in, in preparation for the Academy Awards. I mean, hands down, I think the best film of the year, scripted or non-scripted, is uh, is Collective. Ah, uh, the Romanian, yeah. uh, the Romanian, Romanian documentary. Yeah, yeah that's a that's yeah. a doc. Yeah, 
That's it's a cool. masterpiece. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you like that one. It's a powerful, powerful piece. It's a shocking yeah. piece as well. Yeah. yeah. Are you are you on the same page with that one, Dan? Oh yeah. I mean, I had that on my best picture nomination form, but um, I just watched uh, Sound of Metal over the weekend, and I was really, really taken by that film as a directorial debut. I was really impressed, and the performances in the film are just. Incredible. I'm glad you like Riz. He went to my school. I mean, I'm older than. Oh, him. really? Oh, yeah. awesome. I'm older than him, but you know, I like to. I like to claim something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if if I could send you back to a film set in history, I get the power of time travel. Uh-huh. Which film set would you go to, Dan? Boogie Nights pops into my head just for the entertainment value of <laughs> being on set. Why but wouldn't you go to the pool <laughs> yeah. party? I'm assuming you're going to the pool party. Exactly. Maybe you're going, yeah, to, exactly. the Maybe you're going to the yeah. nightclub. Party. All of it. All of it. You it's all. Like, there's a lot. Yeah, no, that's a that's such a that's such a wonderful question. There's such a difference between being on set and films that have you know, <laughs> inspired you. Don't have you. to work. You're just there to to imbibe. Just, I mean, you could hang out with whoever uh, you want to hang out with. Maybe there's an actor you want to hang out with in particular, or just go to a particular uh-huh. scene that you love and say, "Yeah, I want to be there for the shooting of that scene." Yeah, Boogie Nights is such a good one. I'd probably say Battle of Algiers because it's the blending of the mediums. You know, this this presentation in a documentary form is is something that I think people now talk so much about the the hybrid nature. You know, people exploring. The hybrid of scripted and non-scripted but yet that was kind of this early form presented in what seemed like a documentary medium that had such immediacy to it and also affected audiences in a way that actually like it made sense to present it in that way where it actually had the, 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 wow, the, the desired outcome amazing. in terms of effect yeah i think it would be a, a potentially a frightening experience yeah. that's why i, I like <laughs> it yeah for the bomb going off yeah, yeah. with Gilly pontecorvo um very quickly tj martin when you were growing up did you have a film poster in your in your bedroom in your student hall i think i had like a pulp fiction poster yeah i think like a lot of people <laughs> had the of pulp fiction what about now Which, do you have one now no i think i grew out of the film posters uh on my bedroom wall my, plus my girlfriend wouldn't allow me to put a film poster in our bedroom at the point really? <laughs> even like if you bought her a, you know a, a, a fourteen thousand dollar quad of from russia with love with sean connery or something like that yeah i'm not yeah, saying you got maybe. fourteen thousand dollars to, to spend i i th- <laughs> i i think I think your 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 taste uh, much more sophisticated than mine. So uh, <laughs> well, get, yeah, maybe maybe I need to lean in that direction to convince get a Toy it. Story three. You know, <laughs> <laughs> although beautiful as it is, what about you, Dan? Uh, no, I don't think I had a, any film poster. I know by the time I moved out to Los Angeles, me and my roommates had a cabaret poster. Um, which I love that film, but I, it was also, it was a kind of redesign with the dancer's legs and it was just a really interesting design. I think that's, the but I, that's the only one I can think of. Well, that's yeah. a hell of a poster and a hell of a film, yeah. Bob Fosse. Why, yeah. why would you not have Bob Fosse on your yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on Tina. As I said, really, really fascinating watching it all come together and it kind of dawning on you what this film's about and what this great artist is about. And I think that's something really important too. She's a great, great and important 
popular culture artist and soul artist. Definitely. So you've nailed that. Guys, TJ totally. Martin, Dan Lindsay, great to see you. Thank you very much for joining me and best of luck Thank with you. Tina. Thanks Thank so you much. so much. Pleasure Appreciate talking. Yeah, Tina Turner and What's Love Got To Do With It. That video is so 1980s. I just love it. And Tina, the documentary, is on Sky Documentaries. It's on Amazon. It's on Now TV and Altitude.film. I loved my Private Dancer album. I've still got it on vinyl in a cupboard downstairs. Don't know where my stonewashed denim jacket is, though. heard Dan Lindsay and TJ Martin talking about how they loved Sound of Metal in their Seen Any Good Films Lately section there? Well, let me rustle that right up for you then. My next guest is Olivia Cook, the British actress who's fast rising up the Hollywood ranks from starring in Bates Motel to Me Earl and the Dying Girl to Thoroughbreds with Anya Taylor-Joy. Horror films such as The Quiet Ones and Ouija, in which Olivia is just brilliant throughout. Uh, Vanity Fair on ITV. She's caught my eye basically every time with their intelligent, committed performances. And now she's in BAFTA and Oscar-nominated Sound of Metal, playing the lead singer and guitarist in the White Stripe-style rock duo, in which Riz Ahmed is the drummer who loses his hearing, plunging the band and their rock lifestyle into disaster. Go back to that place. I only, if I, I need, I need you to wait for me. Okay, you're it for me. You're my fucking heart, you're it for me. Okay, you gotta wait for me. Fuck. Listen to me, listen, listen, when you get there, I need you to, I need you to write to me, okay? Yeah, will you write me? Will you tell me you're okay? Huh, promise me? And listen, if it's if it's bullshit, you just get your ass back here, I'll fix it, I swear to God. You know I'll fucking fix this, it's not that hard, okay? Just come back here. I love My you. fucking heart, okay? Olivia is a key part of this film, even though Riz and Paul Ratchie, as the leader of the Death Rehab Camp, are taking all the plaudits as the film notched up four BAFTA nominations and six Oscar nods. I spoke to Olivia before all this awards buzz and when we were still called Seen Anything Good Lately. And that was back when the film was about to come out, uh, just before Christmas, um, but the second lockdown shunted it along, putting it squarely in the awards conversation, which has obviously done it really good. So the film's upon us now. It's going to come out soon on uh, streaming first and then in the cinemas. It's unleashed on us like the screaming rock chick at its centre. So when I did speak to Olivia, I asked her if, like all of us, she's always dreamed of getting up there and belting it out like a real rock star. Yeah, in a way. I mean, you're in you're in the shower and you're singing your songs and you imagine that you're on stage and you've got all these adoring fans. But I think when you're coming to do it and you're like, I'm Olivia Cook from Alden and now I have to pretend to be this screaming metal industrial punk singer it's just like it, you have to really remove yourself and be like just 
just suck it up and just do it. And it is exhilarating, but it's just more the fear of doing something wrong and completely humiliating yourself in front of people that you've gotten to know really intimately. Did you have anyone in mind as a sort of rock goddess icon for yourself? The woman who taught me how to scream and how to play guitar and how to loop, Margaret Charday. She has a band called Pharmacon and she is kind of blue. She is incredible. So I did nick and steal and borrow a lot from her but then you know i wanted to have this the 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 swag of like debbie harry because it's just it's so different to who lou is in her regular life yeah i i, I was gonna suggest a, a touch of debbie harry <laughs> tell tell me about working with riz i've known riz for many many years in fact we went to the same school but uh, he, he's an actor i've had my eye on for so many years and i think he's just coming into his own right at the moment he's got this strength to him this weakness what's he like to actually work with and play off of he's brilliant he has a mind like no one i've ever met before it's like a a, a filofax of information he's just so so incredibly intelligent and also really funny and has this really like frenetic energy that is quite intoxicating to be around and and also can be really still and really soulful and have this just great depth of emotion he's brilliant and you know it makes my job so much easier but he's used to this rock star stuff because you know he, he performs he's a rapper and a yeah. dj he's used to the, the adoring crowds but it's different as well because you know he's he's a rapper and he's a musician but i think him learning another language learning asl and also learning how to play the drums is just such a different muscle to engage in have you ever fancied that life that little rock and roll life that living in a trailer of some sort i mean it, it, there's something loose and romantic and sexy and glorious about it and it, there's also something grubby and messy and all that yeah i can i know i understand the romantic notion but i just don't like grub i don't <laughs> like well dirty so maybe i could do it for about a week and then i just crave just having like a full-on shower where it's so hot my skin wants to peel off i think there was talk of it in the beginning of like oh yeah maybe you and riz should live in there and i was like absolutely not it is august in this tin can in boston are you joking would you be a sort of person who would tidy up do the cooking or would you be the sort of person that lies in late and doesn't get up um, I do love a lion, but I don't like to lay in my own filth. So I would be cleaning um, and probably doing the cooking as well. I just want to, I, you know, like a, a tidy home is a tidy mind. I think I just want everything to feel just breathable. How's it been for you? Because as I said, I saw you in, in the quiet ones straight away and I thought, brilliant, she's amazing. We've got to get hold of, we've got to talk to this this woman. And then we never could because you were off doing Bates Motel and you just and you then you were working with Anya Taylor Joy uh, uh, another one and you and you just get kept going and it's been been really difficult to kind of actually sort of get you settled for a moment see you in the in the right kind of film and get hold of you to get you on the show so <laughs> it feels like it's just been a, a constant whirlwind for you Olivia yeah I just never foresaw my career being this way at all and so I think the opportunities came and I just went along with it and didn't really look up and maybe until last year really when everyone was kind of forced to just sit and be with themselves for a, a little bit what are you watching you seen anything good lately got any recommendations for me i'm actually i really really enjoying it i'm watching the long way up with ewan mcgregor and charlie borman and they're they're on electric bikes they're traveling from the bottom of South America all the way up to um, LA in a hundred days and never done it before. They're having like, you know, electronic 
um, charging stations. It's just, it's lovely, you know, Ian McGregor, gorgeous smile. Charlie Bowman, gorgeous smile, you know, and they're just riding around and they're in their, the Andes and they're going all the, along these salt lakes and it's just beautiful, it's a tonic. And also like a bit of travel that I'm definitely just not gonna do for a while. You're not doing that. You don't like all that scuzzy camping stuff. You wanna be clean and showered, you told me. But to live vicariously is quite nice. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Good shout, long way up. I would never yeah. have thought you'd be watching that. Yeah. Oh God, I love it, yeah. Biker girl. <laughs> I'm thinking back. What was the first film you ever saw? Um, it was probably Sound of Music because that's my mum's favourite film. And I remember that always being on. And you know, the Nazi stuff kind of goes over your head when you're a child. Julie Andrews and the beautiful songs that she sings and the hilltops and the costumes and just how beautifully it was shot. I think as a kid, it just feels like candy. Yeah, and you want to be one of the kids. You want to be 16 going on 17. Absolutely. I think yeah, probably he was my first crush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've gone from sound of music to sound of metal. You see, it's really not very difficult. Oh, you know what? Full circle. Yeah. yeah. It's happen. <laughs> you know it's going to happen. Tell me if that film that changed your life. Now, it's either one that you remember watching and you thought, God, I, I don't didn't know world could be like that or film could be like or or being in one or, or preferably both because you, you've managed to do both i remember i saw phantom thread and i saw it at bam in brooklyn and there was a live orchestra playing along to it and then it, i just thought it was the most beautiful thing that i have ever watched and also the performances were so rich and layered and um, electric. And it was so obviously, you know, so beautifully shot as well as a live orchestra. And I was like, I didn't know films could be so just whole body experienced. Oh, I'd love to have seen that. Uh, that oh God, like Johnny so... Greenwood score kind of put to, oh you know, God, put it was so amazing. It was so amazing. And so even though that was only a couple of years ago, I do remember feeling like this is like a drug, this I, I I hope to be in something like this one day that can that and so and I want someone else to everyone should feel what I'm feeling right now and to experience these performances and then a film that changed that I did that changed my life probably um, a film that did called Me and Earl and the Dying Girl because I was twenty and I feel like that was the first script and the first role that I was given where someone really trusted me to to act, to do some like proper acting. Yeah, and you were great in it. Really interesting. It was a really good oh. performance. Oh God, that's so nice. Thank you so much. Well, it's my pleasure. And thank you for coming on the show. And Sound of Metal is available on Amazon Prime from April the 12th and released in cinemas from May the 17th. Wow, I thought that was great stuff. Thanks to those guests, to Dan Lindsay and TJ Martin, and to Olivia Cook, and of course thanks to Strike for their continued support with all the spirit, none of the alcohol. There's just time for me to recommend The Mauritanian. It's the new film from Oscar winner and BAFTA winner Kevin MacDonald, who in a varied career has done Touching the Void, The Last King of Scotland, State of Play and Whitney, about Whitney Houston. He's back with The Mauritanian, which has earned him five BAFTA nominations, including Best Film and a nod for Taha Rahim as Best Actor. Taha's fresh from The Serpent, uh, and he here is playing Mohamedou Salahi, whose real-life diary this is based on. He's the Mauritanian snatched by US agents in 2002 and dumped in Guantanamo Bay and tortured without charge, held there for 14 years. 
So the film is about his struggle to stay sane, to cling to life, to defeat his tormentors, and the battle for justice outside, waged between Jodie Foster's pro bono defence attorney, Nancy Hollander, and the military prosecutor, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Couch, played by Benedict Cumberbatch with a buzz cut and an upright sense of duty. The Mauritanian is about loyalty and uncovering miscarriages of justice and morality and all those cover-ups that lead right to the top of government. It's got echoes of 1970s conspiracy thrillers and courtroom dramas and it's got scenes of very tough-to-watch torture. You don't get many big starry thrillers like this these days for grown-ups and Kevin MacDonald delivers one here with a punch. In fact, with many punches, right to the stomach. You gotta tell me what happened, Mahabadu. You, you, you asked me to set fire to this place, but I'm still sitting. Then write it down. All right, that's what the pages are for. Write it down. You need to tell me the truth. You need to tell me what happened to you. I can't defend you. Do you I, understand that? I don't that? need to tell you nothing. Whatever I say, it doesn't matter. This fucking island, I die here. Outside, my family, my brother, th th their lives go on. Tara's life goes on. But me here, I'm, I'm, I'm like a statue. Now, ahead of the BAFTAs next week, we've got Kevin MacDonald himself coming on next week's show to talk about awards, to talk about the Mauritanian, and if he's seen any good films lately. I can't wait to catch up with him and put the uh, sagful questions to him. So make sure you come back for more on the Mauritanian next week. Before I go, here's Jason's three to see. The Mauritanian, out now on Amazon Prime from April the 1st. The 40-year-old version on Netflix, catch up with that. And if you haven't caught this one yet, the year's best documentary is Collective. It's from Romania and it's a gem. It's an exemplary gem of documentary filmmaking. As you heard from Tina director Dan Lindsay, whose choice it was in his uh, sagful. It's on Dogwoof, it's on BFI, it's on Curzon and all the good ones. So that's the Mauritanian, 40-year-old version and Collective. That's three to see. God, we're good to you with the recommendations and the great guests here on Seen Any Good Films Lately. If you agree with me, subscribe and rate us and let everyone know. We'll see you next week and I'll leave you with a blast from TJ Martin's film poster pick and the song that played, very sadly, at the funeral of my old journalism tutor, Bob Jones, at the end of last week. Thanks so much for everything, Bob. And no truer words than these, old chum. Start by admitting some crazy